Amen. Are you ready for the word? All right. Well, we're talking about faith, right? Romans 1.17 uh, was our foundational text last week. And we said, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We know we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. But faith is not just for your salvation so that when you die by the grace of God, you go to heaven. Thank God for that hope. But faith is a, is a gift from God to us, a tool, if, we, if you would, that God gives us to live by on earth. Amen? A tool that God gives us in order to receive all that he has provided for us in Christ that we can use to take possession of every spiritual blessing which he has already supplied in Christ for us. Ephesians 1.3 tells us every spiritual blessing has already been given to us in Christ. And it's by grace, free of charge. We don't work for any blessing. We simply respond to the blessing with faith. Physically, God has given you two arms and two hands. Why? So that you can take hold of things. Physically, you can possess things. Physically, with your hands. Spiritually, God has given you the hands of faith. So that you can use your faith, which he gave you, by the way. You didn't manufacture it. It was a gift. The Bible says God has still to us the measure of faith. So just that he gave you two arms and two hands, he gave you and me in Christ's faith to take possession of what he has supplied by grace. All right? So we have to understand that in the new covenant, faith is essential in this dispensation of grace. The faith that God has given you and me, we have to make the decision that we're going to live by it, which means we're always going to be using our faith no matter what we're facing. Whether they're challenges or opportunities, we're not going to put our confidence in our own ability and rest only on our own strength. We will always make the decision that we're going to respond to every challenge and every opportunity in faith. Now, there are many ways by which we can define faith. But the definition we're using for this short series is trust and obey. Trust and obey. So if I am going to live by faith, that means I am going to live by trusting in and obeying God, trusting in his word, obeying his instructions. Say that, trusting in his word, obeying his instructions in every situation. That is how the believer on a daily basis lives by faith. He trusts God, he trusts his word, and he obeys his instructions. Hallelujah. Now, in the New Covenant, when you talk about the Word, you're always talking, talking about Jesus. 
and what he accomplished for you or what God accomplished for us in Christ. So trusting the word of God in the new covenant is trusting the gospel, is trusting that Jesus Christ has been made unto you the righteousness of God, that in him you are complete, that he is your sufficiency. Amen? Trusting the word is trusting the gospel that he was made sin for you who knew no sin that you might become what? The righteousness of God in Christ. You always have to begin there. If you don't believe that, you can't believe anything else. Mm -hmm. Because all of the promises and all of the blessings of grace rest upon that foundational truth. Jesus is your righteousness. That's what I told you last week. That is the foundational truth. All right? So in every situation, again, keep this in mind. Walking by faith, living by faith, trusting God in the new covenant begins with trusting, relying upon God's gift of righteousness to you in Christ Jesus. So be grounded. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ whether you feel like it or not, is irrelevant because you're walking by faith and not by feelings. Now, if you go to court and, and the judge has to make a decision and, and you're the judge and you got two different witnesses that are saying two contradicting things, but one witness is notorious for always changing his story and the other witness is always known for saying the truth and he never wavers. And the two witnesses bring their testimony and they're contradicting each other. Which witness would you give credence to? Who will you listen to? Who will you base your decision on? The one who goes like changes all the time or the one who is steadfast and always tells the truth? Well, when it comes to living by faith, you got a choice. You can listen to your feelings, and you know how your feelings is, is like the weather, right? It's always changing, always changing, always changing. Or you can listen to what God has said in his word, and the Bible says his word is forever settled. And you can say, okay, I got two tests, I got two witnesses here. One witness, say, one witness is telling me it's over, there's no hope, I should give up. I'm a failure. The other witness is saying, you're seated in heavenly places with the one who is more than a conqueror. Now you have a choice. If you're going to live by faith, you will agree with the one who never lies. You have to look at your feelings and say, feelings, this time you lie. Say Hallelujah. So living by faith is a decision you make and you make that decision that you're going to place your confidence in the word. Jesus is, died for you, became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That is what the word says. I don't understand it. 
I can't explain it. But there are a lot of things I cannot explain but are still true. I can't explain how you started off with, as a little egg, a little whatever. And in that little whatever was this beautiful, intelligent. Well, you want me to continue to describe you? <laughs> hey, I cannot explain it, but you're here. Amen? You're here. And so there are just a lot of things we can't explain. So forget about it. You don't have to explain it and understand the details and understand how God does it. If God said it, just say, you know what? I choose to believe what God said over and above my feelings and my senses. All right? It's very, very important. So living by faith is making a decision. You're going to do what? Trust God trusts his word, in particular his word concerning Christ as your righteousness. And then do what? Obey the instructions. There are new covenant instructions that when you live by faith, you obey them. Now, they are not, those instructions are not how you earn or deserve the blessings of grace. Those blessings are given to you freely. The New Testament instructions are simply the, the way you release your faith to take possession of those gifts. They're simply guidelines and directions for taking hold of what is already yours. How many of you got some money in the bank? I hope everybody can raise your hand. Doesn't have to be a lot, but you got something there. Right, so money has been deposited. Many of you now get your salary and it goes directly into your account. Right? But there's a protocol you follow to withdraw. The money gets into your account, but it doesn't jump out of your account into your pocket. There's a protocol, right? And so those instructions that the bank gives you and the, the things the bank makes available to you in order to obtain from your account what is already there in your name are not additional things you have to do to earn. There's simply instructions of how to take possession of what is already yours. So the instructions in the new covenant, okay, that tells you do this or do that, are simply God's direction as to how to access what he has already placed in Christ for you. Say hallelujah. Now, how many of you have been to the gas station lately? And what was your expression when you looked up there and you saw? I, I think yesterday I, it was $4.26 where I saw for regular gas. So those of you who drive cars that use the premium, you're probably paying, what, about $5 now? You better learn how to live by faith. <laughs> you better, because everything seems to be, I heard someone say, I went to the store, and why, but everything is going up. You know, they're just adding $1 here and adding another dollar here. And, but thank God you can live by faith. 
Amen. So during these times, we don't know how long they're going to last and how bad they're going to get. If you don't live by faith, you're going to operate in fear. And you don't want to operate in fear. Because fear just makes it possible for the enemy to do even more. If he doesn't do it outside of you, he does it in, he torments you, you lose your peace, you lose your joy. That's not for you, child of God. You are seated with him who is more than conqueror in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. So God has blessed us with everything we need to deal with this period in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah. He didn't say, oh, oh, I didn't factor in 2022. No, he factored, he factored 2022 in. He took into account the oil crisis, the war, and all that is happening with the pandemic. Guess what? When Jesus went to the cross, God factored all of these things in. and made provision for you and me. So that's why Jesus could say, in this world you will have tribulation. I factor tribulations in. But you know what? Don't get afraid. Don't get anxious. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. In other words, literally, Raise your hand and say, hallelujah, anyhow. Never going to let my problems get me down. Come on, raise your hand and say, hallelujah, anyhow. So the next time you pull up at the gas station, look at that thing, say, hallelujah, anyhow. I'm not going to let the gas price get me down. <laughs> no, but true. We're laughing, but it's true. God factored this in. And believe me, there's provision for us during this period. Remember the widow at, 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 at Zarephath? It was a time of famine. And really she had gotten to where she had just one meal left. And but the Lord had made provision for her and had the prophet Elijah, Elijah come to her with some instructions. Again, this is not how she's going to earn her miracle. This is not how she's going to earn her breakthrough. But this is how she's going to obtain that which God has already given her. When God spoke to that prophet and told him, leave the, the, where he was and go to where this woman is, God had already provided her with all that she would need to take her through this famine. All right? Now she needed to follow instructions in order to take possession of what he had given her. And so he shows up She's on her way to make her what? Last meal for she and her son. And then all of her natural resources would have been gone. And the man of God shows up with the word of God in his mouth. And he speaks the word to her. And he says to her, before you prepare a meal for yourself, 
prepare one for me now. Can you imagine? Listen, I know there are a lot of false and, 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 and charlatans, thank you, my dear wife. All right? And people who are, who are using the, the Bible to exploit people and they say things for the purpose of their personal gain. And we need to not be fooled or deceived by those people. But that does not change the word of God. Are you hear me? There are principles in the word of God that have to do with finances and material things. Principles even in this age of grace that we need to pay attention to. And we need to joyfully obey because they are for our benefit and for our good. And so God sent Elijah to her to bless her, to release provision for she and her son that would carry them through this very difficult period that they were in. But instead of bringing money to her, he brought her a word from the Lord. We said to her, give to me first. Now, you got to understand, Elijah represents God. Okay, so it, it's not just that she's giving to a man, but she, in giving to him, she is re- going to be releasing her faith in the word of God that has been spoken. Are you hearing me? And so, so she does that. She goes ahead and she gives him what he asks and does so before she and her child partook of the meal. That is faith. That is living by faith. Trusting, trusting, trusting the word, trusting the God of the word, and then following the instructions. That is living by faith. Take that and apply it to every area of your life, in your marriage. What has God said? Trust what God has said. And then do what? Obey. Husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Trust God and obey. And see what God will do with your marriage. Nah, I can't love her until she does that. You see? You see? That's not living by faith. That's taking matters in your own hand. That's saying, I can't trust God. He doesn't really, really know how to handle this situation. So I will not listen to him on this matter. I'm going to operate based upon what I think is right. If that widow had done what she felt was reasonable, she never would have followed the instructions, and she and her son would have eaten the meal, and they would have died, and someone would say, God, God didn't hear her prayer. No, God heard her prayer, sent her the answer, but the answer came with some instructions. 
You know, I'm learning really one of the most important prayers we should pray, and it's the prayer for wisdom. I think we would we'll probably get a lot more ends manifestations if instead of simply praying for a miracle, we pray for wisdom from God as to what to do in order to take possession or experience the miracle. But we don't want to listen to the word. We don't want to obey God, but we want to have faith. Come on, listen. You got to follow the instructions. Not to earn, but that's how you're going to take possession of what God has offered you. So wives, honor your husband. Who, me? Hey, that man there. If you're living by faith, you say, you know what? I trust God. I trust his wisdom. I trust his word. I trust his instructions. And I'm going to obey what he said. So when it comes to the area of finances, does God want to provide for us? Does God want to bless us not just with all that we personally need sufficiency, but does God want us to have more so that we can be a blessing? You know, there's some folks who don't think that. You know, they feel that all of the blessings of God are all spiritual in the new covenant and that God's people don't have a right to expect God to work even supernaturally to provide for their material needs. Or if God does supply your needs, they feel the most God wants is for you to have just enough. Now, when you're operating by faith and you're living by faith, you always have to begin with knowing God's will, what God has said concerning a certain thing. So if you are praying for healing, you got to begin by knowing what is God's will regarding healing. Because you can't have faith until you know what God has done or God has promised. Correct? So when it comes to the financial area, if we are going to live by faith in the financial arena, it begins with us knowing what God has said. What is his will in that area, does he promise that my needs will be fully supplied or just barely supplied? Does he promise that he will bless me with more than what I just, what I need just for myself, but he will give me the ability to be generous? Is that just something I would like and I'm praying to God for that? Or is this something that God has actually promised? And then are there instructions? Okay, here's my will, and now here are my instructions. Okay? So you got to go where? To the Word to follow what God's will is. Okay? Again, these are difficult times, and they may get more difficult from a financial standpoint. So it's important that we learn to live by faith in the financial arena, all right? So let's begin. What does the scripture have to say concerning finances? When you read, let's, let's go to the new covenant, not the old, because you know, we say, oh, that's old covenant, and the new covenant, so let's just stay in the New Testament, okay? 
and see what God's will is concerning providing for the finances of his people, right? Well, let's start with Jesus. Is that okay? Is he a good example? Can we, can we take his word? Do you think he knows what God's mind is? Okay, so this is what Jesus says. In Matthew 6, verse 33, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching, and this is one of his most important sermons. He said to his disciples, don't worry. Don't be anxious. That's what we need to hear that. If Jesus was standing here physically and the gas price is going up and the, 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 everything that you, you, know, you need, you know, going up, 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 he would say, hey, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. He would say, look at the birds. They don't worry. Hmm? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry. But your heavenly father. Again, remember you got to be established in that gift of righteousness. So that you know he's your heavenly father. Not just God, but father. That word father means provider, supplier. A father is a provider for his children, a protector for his children, a keeper for his children. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Your heavenly father knows the things you have need of. Uh-oh. So he knows you need, you need gas. So you always... You can always count on him. No, if the price of gas becomes $10 per gallon and you need gas, your heavenly father knows you need gas, fuel for your car. Hmm? Your heavenly father knows the things you have need of. I don't care how high the prices go. God knows you need to eat. Your heavenly father knows the things you have need of. So he says, don't take any anxious thought to worry about those things. Now you can make decisions, and, but don't worry about it. Because your heavenly father does what? He knows the things you have need of even before you ask. And now here are the instructions. But you... Don't be like the Gentiles. He says, you do this. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his, you see that righteousness again in the new covenant? Seek to be established in Christ as your righteousness. Amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. You won't have to chase them if you would seek first his kingdom, that is his will, his righteousness, that, that is in Christ Jesus. He says he as your father will see to it 
that everything you have need of for as long as you will have need of this will be supplied. When he brought Israel out of Egypt and they were not able to work, he caused manna to come from heaven. If circumstances get so bad that you're not able to pay for what you need with the money you are earning, guess what? God will move supernaturally. What will he do? He will move supernaturally to make sure your needs are met. So don't worry. Ah, okay, Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus, right? How much time I got? Remember when Jesus, when Jesus were, was ministering to this group of people, 5,000 men, plus women, and you know the women were probably two or three times as many, plus children. So you probably have about 15,000 people there. And the Bible says Jesus looked at them and he had compassion upon them because they were what? Hungry. You see, he had been teaching a long time. And finally he realized, oh, I've kept these people here a long time, and even though they're listening and they're being blessed, they have some physical needs. They're hungry. And he said, listen, we got to feed them. And to make a long story short, they brought him five loaves and two fish. Not a lot. Not a lot. But he took the five loaves and two fish. And what did he do? Blessed it, multiplied it, and fed all 5,000. Now, the scripture say that they were all satisfied. In other words, it wasn't okay. There's not enough for everybody, so take just a little bread and take a small piece of the fish because God doesn't have enough to take care of all of you. He had no hesitation. He knew his heavenly father, and that's how we need to know the heavenly father. So when he got the thing, he thanked his heavenly father. Jesus was functioning as a man. He thanked the heavenly father because he knew the heavenly father was gonna somehow make the five loaves and two fish enough. I'm telling you, somehow, God is going to make the five loaves and two fish that you need to be enough to meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we see that promise on display. He takes five loaves and two fish and literally he feeds 15,000 plus people and the Holy Ghost made it his business that they were satisfied. In other words, they had eaten all they could eat. God saw to it that their needs were fully met. Now, you would think that would be enough. But not only did he see to it that whatever they needed was fully supplied, the Bible says there were 12 baskets 
left over. That seems to say to me that God doesn't just want to barely take care of his children. He wants his children to have their needs fully supplied and he's able to cause them to have even more than they need so they can do what? Be a greater blessing. Now some of you would take the 12 pastors and take it home and say, you know, I don't know whether tomorrow, but you know, the gas price may go higher, so I'm <laughs> No, the 12 baskets left over is to make you a blessing. So one of the things some of us may need to do is use some of our oversupply to be a blessing to others. Because some of us have more to work with. And so during this time, what a wonderful opportunity God is going to give us to take care of one another. So as the Lord blesses you, remember his work, remember his people. Are you hearing me? And be a blessing. Are you hearing me? So we see that. Uh, but then, and then there's another time. There's another time Jesus comes to Peter's Peter's business, and it, it wasn't going well. Peter was experiencing a deep recession because he had worked all night, toiled hard, did his best. This was an experienced businessman, but what was working for him in the past had stopped working. Oh, my goodness, you know, oh, my goodness. In this pandemic, some things that used to work and bring in money stopped working, and your source of income dried up. So Jesus comes to Peter at a time when Peter's business isn't doing well. Do you think Jesus intends to bless Peter? Yeah, he does. He does. But what does he do again? He says, Peter, give me your boat. It looks like there's something about giving that is connected to living by faith especially in the area of finances and provision. Jesus seems always to ask for something to work with. Hmm? So he says to Peter, lend me your boat. Let me use your boat. Provide me with a place that I can stand. Give me a platform that I can Use in order to proclaim this glorious gospel so that many can hear. Because you see, they were near the seashore. Imagine the noises from the sea and the noises from the people who are there. And for the message to travel far and for it to reach many, it was important for Jesus to be elevated. He needed a platform to stand on that would allow the gospel, the word he was preaching, to go further than it would have otherwise and to bless multitudes. He turned to Peter and said, Peter, let me use your boat. Give me, give me what you have and let me use it for the gospel. Well, Peter, I guess Peter said, I ain't got nothing to lose. So I'm take. 
But he gave it to Jesus. Jesus stood on that boat. I don't know how long he preached. But right after he did that, the next thing he turned was, he said, now Peter, take your net. That, your net. And by that time, Peter was already ready to close shop. He says, go ahead and cast it on the right side. And of course, Peter then, Peter was an experienced fisherman. So in the natural, this doesn't make sense. We've been doing this all night. Why go through this work? We've already gone through the hard labor of gathering the net. You want us to throw this back in the, in the water. You've, you're not a fisherman. You don't know anything what you're talking. But Peter knew that this was the master. Even though he was not fully enlightened, he knew that this man knew what he was talking about and this man could do anything. And so he followed the instructions. Say, follow the instructions. What is faith? Trusting in and obeying the instructions of the word of God, the instructions of the new covenant. And so Peter threw the thing over and, and, and the Bible says, the way I like to say, all the fish that were on vacation, you know, cut their vacation short, made it about face, and headed right back into Peter's net in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the scripture tells us when Peter was gathering in the net, the net began to break. So Oral Roberts used to call that a net-breaking Boat singing, load of fish. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. What does that say again about God? What does it say about the God's will for you? Is it true that God doesn't want you to have much? If that's the case, why does Jesus keep blessing people with so much? Now again, in the story... Peter gathers in the, 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 the fish, but there's so much. What does he do? He starts to call others. Oh, God never wants the blessing to stop with you. The, the reason he takes care of you is so that you can't complain. You got all your needs met. Now, what's your excuse for not being generous? What's your excuse? One, there's no need to to be afraid that your needs are not going to be met because he's going to meet it. So what's your excuse? Hmm? So just from those two examples, it is clear if Jesus is the will of God, and we know he is, if Jesus is the word of God, and we know he is, then what Jesus did is God's word. And we see him every time where there's a need, supplying the need, making sure the need is ready for, but going over and above so that those who he is blessing can be in the position to be a blessing too. Hallelujah. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you will be what? Prosper and be in help. So I desire for you to prosper. Amen? I desire that. That's his will. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, listen, we know this about the Lord Jesus, that even though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through 
his poverty, you might become rich. Amen? Now, what does the Bible mean by rich in the New Testament? It doesn't mean that he's promising that all of us will be millionaires and all of us will drive big Mercedes or Rolls Royce. He's not saying that. But to be rich, if you read the scripture there, is to have sufficiency to meet all your needs and some leftover to be a blessing. So if you have your needs met and your needs are fully met and you have some over where you can be generous and a blessing like you want to be, you're rich. You're rich. Say hallelujah. You are rich. Let me bring this to a quick close. I was going to look at some other passages very quickly, but I want us to Go to, go to 2 Corinthians 9. We'll begin from verse 6 and we'll read to verse 10. I will just quickly summarize that and then we'll bring this to an end. Now, this is talking about giving. Paul was trying to raise up an offering and it looked like Paul had to take some time to convince folks who are believers to be generous. I know, I know that feeling. Because <laughs> he wrote two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, trying to convince these Corinthians believers to be generous. That some folks here have been given one penny to the work of God. We got some work to do. But let's read, let's read this scripture because Paul is trying to show them the blessing of generosity. He's trying to show them how to live by faith in the arena of finances so that you can partake fully in God's provision for your finances. This is what he says. Let's read together. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows will also. So he's telling them to give, and some of them are struggling, and Paul said, listen, listen, here is a law of the, of the kingdom that is at work in in." in the new covenant as well. He says, this is a law. He who sows sparingly will do what? Reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap. That's a law. If you have faith in the word, you will believe that. You will believe that if I sow generously, I will reap generously. You will believe if I sow bountifully, I will reap bountifully. And if you believe that, what will you, what will you do? There's no one here who believes that if they sow bountifully, they will reap bountifully. Who will not sow bountifully? Bountifully. Unless you say, oh, I just like being poor. No, if you are living by faith in this word, which is a new covenant blessing. Huh? If you believe it, that if you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully, no one will have to convince you, beg with you, plead with you, persuade you to give. If you believe it, your faith will motivate you because that will take away your fear. One of the reasons we don't give generously is not because we don't want to give, but we're afraid. That if we give, we are going to be left without our needs being met. And this scripture says, no, that's not the case. If you are a generous giver, you will receive generously. Do you believe that? Living by faith means I believe that. 
And if I believe that, the instruction then is to be a generous and cheerful giver. Let's go on. Go to verse 7 quickly, please. But let each one give as he what? Purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loves a... In other words, if this law is true, that if you give bountifully, you will reap bountifully, then it's up to you to purpose in your heart what you will do. But what he's saying is what you ought to do if you believe this word is become a joyful, cheerful giver. Nobody should force you. You, don't, you shouldn't feel pressure. You shouldn't have to be threatened. No, no. He says, if you really believe this word, then this is what's going to happen. You are going to purpose in your own heart. Nobody will have to persuade you. You're going to purpose in your own heart. You know what? I am going to be a generous and cheerful giver because I know that he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And of course, the harvest you reap is not just material. You reap in so many ways. This is how you lay up treasure in heaven. I have to stop because I'm out of time. Uh, but, but go ahead and take, take the time and read uh, 2 Corinthians 9 from 6 to 10. Okay? Or you can even read, read that at home because there you get the promises God has made and you also get the instructions you need to follow. And the instructions that you need to follow there, if you're going to live by faith, is to learn how to sow generously. And so even in hard times, be generous. Even in hard times, be generous. That's how you live by faith. And God has promised that he will multiply the seed you sow and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Somebody said, I don't need to sow. I make a lot of money anyway. And some of you do. Some of you don't need to, 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 to sow, to, to, to receive. You don't need any miracles from God financially because you make a lot of money. You went to school. You work hard. You got your business. I mean, the richest people in the world are not necessarily Christians. So you don't need to do this to have a lot of money. But what, what, but what this does for you, it, if you live this way, you may not become a multimillionaire or a billionaire, but you'll have sufficient for your needs. You'll have an abundance to, be, to do good, and you'll be laying up treasure in heaven. If you're one of those who say, I don't need to live by faith finances, I would just work hard and just manage my money well and all my needs will be met. Yeah, you can do that without God, but you can't lay up any treasure in heaven. You, you can't be rich towards God that way. You can't glorify God that way. If that's what you want, that's up to you, but to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. I didn't get to tell my story, but I'll have to stop without a time. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would take this word and cause this word to register in our hearts and make this word produce abundant fruit. Let it empower your people to live righteous, holy, generous lives. Empower them to live by faith. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Go, go to verse 10 because I want us to make this a prayer. Go to 2 Corinthians 10, please. 9, 10. Okay, this was after Paul talked about giving. This is his prayer for the Corinthians. Let's read it together, everybody. In fact, let's stand. Let's stand because I want us to really pray this. Let's read together. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and Now we're going to pray that because this is a prayer you ought to be praying for yourself when, when it comes to finances, okay? But notice, what does, this say? what does Paul say? God does what? He supplies seed to the sower. Why? Because there's a law that says that you will reap according to what you sow. God is not suspending that law. God is not changing that law. God is saying here is this law. The truth is this law is for your benefit because you know if you sow generously, you will reap generously. So I'm going to keep that law in place. And what I'm going to do under the new covenant, I will give you seed. God will not sow seeds. So don't ask God, sow my seeds for me. No. What you need to ask God to do is to supply your seed. And then when he supplies your seed, you better not consume it. What are you supposed to do with the seed he supplies? And if you supply the seed, and he supplies the seed and you sow it, what will he provide? More seed and bread for food. The bread is for the day, the seeds are for tomorrow. Now this is God's new covenant promise. And here are the instructions. You can follow or not. I've been living this way for over 40 years. I have said this and I'm still saying it. I believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is true. There are many things in that Bible I have not personally experienced. But this one, this one, you say, Bishop, all I got to do is sow my seeds. No, that's not all you do. You also got to work. Oh, I wish I had more time. But let me steal some time. I beg you. In Acts chapter 20, okay, Paul, I believe he starts at verse 32. He is speaking to the elders of the church. And he says to them, listen, when I was with you, I did not covet anybody's gold, silver, or shoes. He said, I didn't look at anybody. I said, oh, I wish I had it. He says, but these hands of mine minister to my own necessity. In other words, I'd worked. And he says, I thereby showed you, elders and leaders, how by so laboring, you ought to take care of the weak or the poor. He says, remember what Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, it's far more blessed for you to be in a position where you can give than in a position where you can receive. So what God wants you and me to be is to be the one in the position that can give. Are you hearing me? But notice, this is one principle, critical, but in Acts 20, he says, labor. So you can't just do this and sit down and be lazy. 
So let me give you these four things. Here's, here, here, is, here, here are the four principles I've lived by and I've seen God's blessing in this area. One, in the light of the, the promise and the instructions, these are the four things I've done. I, I encourage you to consider them for your own life, stewardship and financial well-being. One, be faithful with your tithes. Somebody said, but we're not under the law. Be faithful with your tithes. But don't do it legalistically. Don't do it out of fear of curse. Purpose to do it to honor God. And guess what? That's part of your seed. Be faithful with your tithe. Two, be generous. Over and above your tithe, be generous. I mean, be, gen be a blessing to people. Be a blessing to God's work. Be generous. So faithful with my tithes, generous in my giving, diligent in my work. I'm not lazy old. And you would not be here if I was lazy. It takes time, it takes time to study, to prepare, to come. So you take that, you gotta apply that. Whatever area you're in, whatever career you're in, whatever business you're in, be diligent with it. Okay, so say faithful in tithing, generous in giving, Diligent in, 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 in labor or work. Diligent. And then lastly, confident in God. Confident that God will keep his promises. I guarantee you, if you practice these four things, faithful in your tithing, be generous in your giving, be diligent in your work, and be confident in God's promises to supply all your needs, he will supply your needs. He will see to it that you have sufficiency for all your needs. And you will have an abundance so you can be as much of a blessing as you desire to be. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, let's pray this prayer. Say, Lord, you are the one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. I thank you for supplying and multiplying the seeds I have sown and for increasing the fruits of my righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Make that the prayer. Ask God to supply seed and then sow. Please be seated.